Welcome to the Factual Forecast, a look at the week's biggest stories and what they mean from the editors at Factual. I'm Jimmy Lovis. Today is November 18th, and in this week's forecast, we've got the North American Leaders Summit, an election in Venezuela, U.S. federal workers facing a coronavirus vaccine deadline, Israel's defense minister visiting Morocco, and a look at the terror probe underway in the United Kingdom. You can also read about all these stories and more in our weekly newsletter, which you can find a link to in the show notes. U.S. President Joe Biden, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, and Mexican President Andres Manuel López Obrador will sit down today in Washington, D.C. during a trying time between the nations. The election of Donald Trump in 2016 strained the relationship between the three North American countries in ways that haven't been seen in generations. After all, Trump raised issues with the North American Free Trade Agreement and border security and did so in arguably erratic ways. He also never convened or agreed to an official summit with his counterparts. After the election in 2020, both Canada and Mexico congratulated Biden on his win and promised to work together. Of course, the Biden presidency has come with its own set of challenges for both nations. Biden has focused on climate change initiatives while in office, angering Canada's oil producers by shutting down the Keystone XL pipeline. He's also been slow to move on some immigration issues, forcing Mexico to house people trying to get into the United States. Still, all three leaders could get something tangible done, especially after the Trump administration led to chaotic policy decisions. Venezuelans will go to the polls to elect their regional and municipal leaders on Sunday, and those elections will include the participation of the opposition for the first time since 2017. It's been years of escalating tensions between the opposition and President Nicolas Maduro's government, which hit a new high in 2019 after Juan Guaido proclaimed himself interim president of the country. The opposition announced in September that it would participate in Sunday's vote after boycotting elections in the previous three years over irregularities in the handling of elections in the country. Now, despite reservations over the transparency of the vote, the opposition is trying to regain political relevance in Venezuelan institutions. And, for the first time in 15 years, a team of EU observers will oversee the campaign leading to the polls. Small delegations from the UN and the Carter Center will also join the effort. Now, more than 3,000 official positions will be renewed in this vote, including governors, mayors, councillors, and lawmakers. And the elections will be overseen in a highly militarized environment, with over 350 troops deployed to guarantee security on Sunday. And while it's unclear whether the opposition will be able to harvest enough support in the polls, the success of this election in terms of democratic standards could be a first step. A step towards a presidential race with guarantees, and a country marked by decades of power struggle. An order by President Joe Biden's administration that requires all federal employees to be fully vaccinated against coronavirus goes into effect Monday. Biden announced in September that all federal employees will be required to be fully vaccinated by November 22nd or face disciplinary action. Under this mandate, federal workers need to have received their second dose of Pfizer, Moderna, or AstraZeneca's coronavirus vaccine, or a single dose of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, by November 8th to be considered fully vaccinated. The mandate comes into effect amid low vaccination numbers nationwide, with just more than 59% of Americans fully vaccinated. Now, the mandate is facing several legal challenges from federal employees and contractors. 
and a union representing more than 700,000 government employees is pushing for the Biden administration to postpone Monday's deadline for federal employees to match a newly extended January 4th date for contractors. In a separate case earlier this week, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration suspended enforcement of a similar mandate for large private businesses. Israeli Defense Minister Benny Gantz will travel to Morocco on Wednesday to sign security cooperation agreements as the two countries continue to strengthen ties. Israel and Morocco have been slowly building connections since the October 2020 agreement that saw Morocco agree to a U.S.-brokered deal to recognize Israel in exchange for the U.S. recognizing Moroccan sovereignty over the disputed Western Sahara region. In addition to increased diplomatic contacts, the past year has also seen the start of direct flights between the two nations and increased bilateral trade. Now, Gantz's visit will mark the second high-level meeting between officials from both sides since the signing of the Normalization Agreement, after Israeli Foreign Minister Yair Lapid traveled to Morocco in August. That's when Israel announced the formation of its first diplomatic mission to Morocco, ahead of an expected opening of embassies. Of course, Israel's growing ties with Arab countries continue to reduce leverage of Palestinians trying to gain statehood amid Israeli occupation and expansion of settlements that are at the center of decades of armed conflict in the region. Our last item for this forecast is on the terror probe underway in the United Kingdom. For more on that, I recently spoke with our editorial development manager, David Wiley. Hi, David. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, a lot of concerning news coming out of the UK recently, including the terror threat level being raised. Can you catch us up to speed on that? Well, the UK's terror threat level has been raised from substantial to severe, meaning an attack is considered highly likely. Before that, an attack was only considered likely, but security services decided to increase that level after an explosion outside Liverpool Women's Hospital on Remembrance Sunday just a few days ago. What do we know about that bombing? Police and security services have been piecing parts of the story together this week and are now able to say a little bit more about it. They believe that the suspect, named as 32-year-old Imad al-Swamin, an asylum seeker who was born in Iraq, died when a homemade IED exploded in the back of a taxi outside the hospital building. The UK government's security minister, Damien Hines, told the BBC that inquiries as to whether he acted alone were continuing and we now know that he had been planning the attack for more than six months. Police are continuing to search a property linked to him in the Liverpool area that he rented uh, in April of this year. As part of the investigation, immediately after the explosion, four men were detained in the Liverpool area on Sunday and Monday who were then questioned by police and released without charge. No one else has been arrested. And this isn't the only terror incident police are investigating, is that right? It's not. Security services consider the Liverpool attack to be the second terror incident in a month with Sunday's bombing coming several weeks after the MP Sir David Ames was fatally stabbed as he met constituents in Leoncey in Essex. Besides raising the terror threat level, uh, what else are police doing? Well, Metropolitan Police Commissioner Cresta Dick, by the way, that's the force that covers the London area and generally takes the lead on terror investigations in the UK. She warned Londoners in late October to be alert for attacks over the Christmas period, but we haven't heard of any specific overt measures, just a general increase in the alert level. She did add that the counterterrorism investigations across the UK remain at record levels, with more than 800 live investigations and 31 foil plots since 2017. Two attacks in several weeks has undoubtedly caused concern that there may be more, uh, and 
obviously takes people back to 2017 where five attacks in London and Manchester killed more than 30 people. Those were the worst Islamist attacks since the July 7th uh, suicide bombings on London's transport network that killed 52 people back in 2005. Well, I trust you'll let us know of any important developments in the weeks ahead. Until then, thanks for your insight here, David. I appreciate it. Thank you, and thanks for having me on. Take care. Today's episode was produced with work from Factual Editors Jeff Lancet, Irina Viora, Vivian Wang, and Ahmed Namatala. Our interview featured editor David Wiley, and our music comes courtesy of Andrew Gosby. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Factual Forecast. We publish our forward-looking podcast each Thursday to help you get a jump start on the week ahead. You can, of course, subscribe for free, and if you have feedback, suggestions, or events we've missed, drop us a note by emailing hello at factal.com. 